Welcome to episode 25 of the Strength Ratio Podcast, live from Nationals in Kansas City, Kansas, or are we in Missouri? Missouri. Yeah, I think we're in Missouri, technically. If you didn't know, there's a Kansas City, Kansas, and a Kansas City, Missouri, but we've made it uh, safe and sound. Day one is behind us. One of our lifters, uh, Kristen, performed beautifully today. She lifted five for six. She had an injury a few years ago before starting to work with us. Uh, she had placed well in the top 10 in 2016 and is now working her way back up uh, and placed in the top 10 in the 58. So she lifted super well. And you'll hear from one of our other lifters who's going tomorrow, as well as a few other of our coaching friends. And there's this posse that we seem to have created that uh, ever since Reno in 2015 uh, has stayed uh, really strong and collaborative and supportive. And we're going to talk about our experience at National Meets, how we started off kind of faking our way through it, and how we kind of still are, but we've learned a lot along the way. Um, because if you've never if you've never experienced a weightlifting meet, you quickly learn that you just can't raise your hand and say, "Okay, I'm ready." Kind of put me in coach. I'm good to go. There's a lot of jockeying and strategy, and especially on the national stage when stakes are higher and pressure is definitely greater than a local meet. There's a lot more to it, especially from a strategy and coaching standpoint. So I'll introduce those around me. I have uh, Danny Yeager. He's the owner of CrossFit Kingfield in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Danny, you want to say hi? Hello. Hello. You want to talk a little bit about yourself? A little bit about myself. And, and your gym and why I like you and your gym so much? Small gym. Small gym. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, uh, I've been around CrossFit since 2005, actually. I found, uh, oh, gee. found CrossFit, yeah, I grew up in Denver, Colorado, and I found CrossFit in Denver, and then kind of dabbled with it throughout the years, and still definitely believe um, in the core of what the methodology is, and that's a, a lot of what our gym still holds true today. Um, but our, our business has expanded into many facets, and one of those particularly is Kingfield Barbell, so... Kingfield Barbell runs out of our gym, and I would say that when people ask us about what we do or what are some of like some of the things that make Kingfield Kingfield, we definitely um, we hold true to teaching snatch clean and jerk, and really um, taking the time to do it well. You know, helping people understand the movements, and I mean, we're excited about it. And I think when people understand how much we love the movements, you know, it gets them jazzed about it as well. So. Since then, you know, I've been coaching weightlifting uh, with Chris. We were talking about this today. It's been since like 2014, I believe. We've been in the weightlifting realm. Uh, and much like Zach said, I think it's been a learned experience along the way. And it continues to evolve in, in what we do and, and how we approach things. But I think is the, the tandem and the group that we have here that uh, holds pretty true at these meets. We've learned from each other, which has been a great experience. And to my left, I have uh, Christopher Yang. Chris is, has competed at numerous national meets. He is not competing at this meet, but he is here to coach. Uh, Chris, you want to introduce yourself for those who don't know you? Yeah. Hi, um, Chris Yang here. I've uh, been lifting for uh, four years now in uh, Olympic weightlifting. Um, so we started Kingville Barbell about two and a half years ago. Uh, started with, uh, like maybe three or four lifters and now we've, uh, grown to 30 plus, uh, lifters and still growing. So it's been a fun ride. Uh, this weekend we have Andrew Strolley, uh, competing, um, uh, and she just finished up today and she did well. So. And then tomorrow we have, I almost feel like you should be asleep. Like it's past <laughs> your bedtime. Uh, 
gosh, my grammar's not even asleep. <laughs> well, you lift tomorrow is yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. So there's that like paternal sense that you should be asleep. Sure. Uh, we have our 69 turned 77 kilo lifter, Anthony Konis here. And Anthony, and this is, I think this kind of speaks to how this group has grown is that Anthony started working with me in 2000. 14 and then chris mistook my uh uh role in how strong of a squatter anthony was and he's like "Ooh, uh, strength ratio has this kid who can squat a lot of weight and we had no kind like we did not develop anthony squat uh as a 69 kilo lifter squatting near 500 pounds he's a very strong squatter so i think anthony kind of duped chris into working with us and then we somehow convinced Danny to uh, work with us as well. And now Anthony actually has moved from Michigan. He graduated school and he is now at CrossFit Kingfield as well. So there's strength ratios, CrossFit Kingfield, but kind of in these weekends, it's all one big thing. And in Reno in 2015, we were all there and it was a much different scene. We had counted at meets before, but we really had no idea what we were doing. Um, we were kind of probably just imitating cues that other respected coaches were saying <laughs> at that time. I, I mean, we just yeah. tried to make sure we, we tried to fake it like really hard and it went well. Um, Anthony snatched, I think you finished 101, 101 and you clean jerked 133. No, it's more than that. 34. Was it more than I think you because I attempted forty. Or was five. it one? I attempted forty-five, so I think we did like I think we started thirty-seven or thirty-eight times. Okay, and but don't get me. I mean, and yeah, and we won't talk about we won't talk about openers tomorrow. But <clears throat> an American Open at the American Open, you finished with what? At that time, yeah, in this this past American this Open. Man. Sorry. Uh, one one fifth, one sixteen. No, it's one fifth. Wow, why is this so hard to remember? Yeah, one fifteen and one forty. No, we missed one forty eight. I didn't. I didn't sell it enough. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't sold. Two fifty nine. You hit forty four. Yeah, yeah. So one fifteen, one fifteen, one forty four. So it's two fifty nine. So, yeah. uh, dramatic improvements to the especially total. In the snatch, yeah. yeah, especially in the snatch in that short time. And Chris. Hit uh, one oh six and one thirty seven. At this at, at, at this past yep. national at this past American Open, but what did you do in Reno in two thousand fifteen? I hit ninety six and one twenty eight. Yeah. So uh, again, in this time, and and those improvements are um, while they're impressive, I, I think it's something that if you have a lifter who's on a pretty sound plan and has uh, good coaching behind them is something that you'd hope to see. Uh, although three months doesn't sound like a lot of time, I think that's where uh, you'd hope training would go, and, and that's where it's gone. So it, it's really cool to see these guys progressing. Um, but what I'm going to do and kind of turn this over as more of an interview with these three is seeing what they've learned in this time from – the 2015 American Open, which had over a thousand participants, yeah. to uh, American Open in Anaheim, where the number may have been halved. The qualifying totals are going up. Uh, the coaches have to be uh, certainly more knowledgeable, and they have to have. Uh, well, they don't have to have a USA weightlifting uh, one cert, but I think given the elevated totals, both coaches and athletes are having to come together. Uh, so I want to start first with Chris and Danny and just ask you guys more about first meet experience, where you were receiving your education from, and how did you learn uh, to go from training in the gym to counting attempts at a local meet and then within that same year counting attempts at a national meet? Yeah, so again, Chris and I were talking about like first meet that I had been at. I think was um, what was that? Was it at Athlete Lab? No, no, no. It was the um, Minnesota State Championships. 
2015. Okay. Yep. So either way, I can't really remember my first meet, but um, I I go back to Chris and I talk a lot about this, but back in our early years when we started, you know, weightlifting, it was a lot of things done off of YouTube, just watching YouTube and like monkey see monkey do type stuff. And, you know, we loved weightlifting. Like we, we loved snatch clean and direct. We loved to pick up things and put them down. And, but then what we quickly realized was that like our wealth of knowledge and our ability to communicate it to somebody else was quite limited. So, um, I think if you would have, if I was going to watch myself as a coach, uh, now back in 2015, I probably, probably chuckle a little bit, you know, it's, it, our, our approach to meets has evolved. Um, it's become a lot more concise, refined around the athletes. Um, and, and, and two, I mean, we have longer lasting relationships with all our athletes. I mean, we've been with them for years and Chris and I have coached together for years, but in the beginning, um, so for any of the new coaches that are out there, you know, you get to these meets and I think if I had to give a little bit of advice, you know, I, I remember, you know, first I, I didn't know much about like kilos that the, the whole like pounds to kilos thing was quite foreign to me. So when Chris would say 96 kilos, I'd be like, great. <laughs> like no reference point, right. For what that is. And that sounds half of what you can snatch in pounds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, it doesn't look like that many plates. Can't be that heavy. Right. Um, but yeah, counting numbers and counting attempts and all of that stuff. I mean, I think that one of my strengths is really like I have the ability to read a room and read people. And so I early on would draw on to that was kind of looking at the energy of the other coaches, the other athletes, and then just trying to be very perceptive because like Zach said, I mean, we didn't really have any idea what I was doing. It just was forced into a situation. I was like, hey, figure it out. Um, because that's the nature of counting. You, you really have to, if you're not watching someone you might want to tell your athlete, hey, I don't really know what's going on. I'm going to ask for help because if not, yeah, for sure. you may totally screw your lifter over. Like I said, it's not just, yeah. okay, we're ready and now we're going to go. So in those early years, I think went drawing on that reading the room and kind of like seeing how things work and the energy helped me out a lot. Now, the difference between local meets, counting a local meet and a national meet um, – is the changes and there's a lot of strategy at national meets. The stakes are a lot higher. So if you, you have to then actually do a little bit of research on who's in the session, know what people are going for, um, that all of that background information helps because then you can make educated guesses as to what other lifters are doing. Cause that has a direct effect on what your lifter is going to do and how you prepare them. So that was one of my, my early experiences of like thinking about like taking a step back being like, okay, Let's look at what the other coaches are doing. If lifters are missing, you know, what do I tell my lifter? Um, and then that stuff has served me pretty well. And I think that a lot of times, you know, I just serve as a very calming presence for our athletes, right? Like reassure, you know, things are going well, um, you know, and if anything, if I'm stressed out or I'm a little confused or I'm a little worried, I, I really try to just keep that to myself, right? Because it, because on, on meet days, especially with our, our barbell club, Kingfield Barbell, we, you know, we want our athletes to just lift. That's all we're looking for. So, yeah, those are my early thoughts of just I had to learn how to be very perceptive, be very concise, trust myself, and then understand it was okay if I if I made a mistake. Like that happens. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think even just bringing up knowing kilograms. Mm -hmm. uh, if if you want to coach at meets or if you're uh, a gym that has Weightlifters who are wanting to go to the American Open Series, which is inviting many more people to the sport. If you get there and neither your athletes nor your coaches know the weight on the bar, it, that it sounds silly, uh, but and it's kind of like who has time to do the calculation on the phone? But I remember doing on, right? that in yeah, 2015. Yeah. Uh -huh. You're you're doing the calculations and like I think this is this weight. But, but that's where we were. Like if we're being very honest. Yeah, yeah. Google says it's 211 pounds. Siri, what is 95 kilos? <laughs> um, but it, it really has um, come a long way. Um, and, and Chris, you really have since then kind of made it your mission not just to train the lifts yourselves, yourself, but to also 
best be able as a coach to communicate it to athletes, to educate yourself. I remember, in fact, right after the 2015 American Open, you went to Malaysia to train with a coach and to learn and get new experiences. So uh, when you think about 2015, you think about now, uh, what's the first thing that comes to your mind with this journey? What what would you advise people like the, that Danny went through those, those top priority pieces? Yeah. My, so my, my first American open was actually in 2014. Oh yes. In DC where I did not make weight. So there's another the, teaching tool. Yeah. yeah yep. <laughs> uh, but at that time, the, but even, even knowing weight classes and, like and making weight. Yeah. Kilos. Yep. Yeah. I missed weight by 0.02 kilos. <laughs> it was uh, terrible. <laughs> I was very sad, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, we laugh at it now, but, um, one thing, one big thing I learned that year was the coaches that I was working with then I knew I didn't want to be like them. Um, you know, once we got kind of our own barber club started, so big learning experience there. Um, well, what were they, what were these particular people doing? that you saw that you didn't agree with and what, where did you want to go with it? What was different in, in your style? Yeah. So the coaches, it was a bit more remote. They were new too. So I don't, you know, I don't blame them uh, a whole lot, but when I, I got, we got there early, um, I had one training session left and I went and trained alone. Uh, there yeah. were, no one was there for me. Did you even use um, a check scale? Like the whole yeah, I, I if I yeah, I think I did use the check scale and I I seemed fine. Um but yeah, I just I had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. When we weighed in, uh and I was over we had so I have 30 minutes to make weight um after I do my first weigh in and they're like, Oh, just just take these strawberries and <laughs> spit. <laughs> and that was it. And I didn't know what to do. I went up to my room, I tried to I stuck my finger down my throat, tried to puke, nothing was coming out. <laughs> um, and I didn't make weight. And when, when I ran out of time, they were just like, oh. Yeah. Just just and a you, pat on you. the back and that was it. Oh, yeah. the coaches. Yep, yeah, the coaches, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was my first experience. <laughs> uh, but, you know, fast forward to, to, to 2015, um, we had been at – I had stopped working with those coaches. We had started at Kingfield Barbell. Um, we had a few practices at local meets. Um, I, I went to a, when I first started weightlifting, I went to a, a, semi, a weightlifting seminar and I learned some counting strategies there. Um, and it's pretty simple, right? It's just a 21 attempts out, 18, 15, down by three all the way, all the way to your opener. So that's pretty simple. And then that, that is to say that, is, that you presume that uh, there will be three minutes between these projected attempts that you can take your warm ups, or at least yeah. have anticipated warm ups yep. before your lifters going. Yeah, but then yeah, you know now, especially at national meets, we we've learned that that's not always that accurate. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not always three minutes because you get misses. Um, people, or people or change, change their people change. And then you go, you expect three minutes, you plan three minutes, but then, okay, now you got one minute. Yeah. So if you, yeah. so imagine you, you bought your plane ticket and we almost had a moment like this today. You bought your plane ticket and you look at the roster and you, you, you see what people's openers are. And you're like, okay, we anticipate being 15 lifts out. Well, if all of a sudden people start changing mm-hmm. their attempts, you can't just say, well, I'm not ready. <laughs> well, and I think that, then, that, that taps into the communication like that we have a, as a group have understood like we've refined that process, but knowing who's in the session and then yeah. also knowing what our game plan is for our athletes before. And then, you know, and then very honestly telling them, this is what our expectation, this is what we're going to do during the session. Right. Like I think that we see a lot of times we know if the coaches or the athletes are running that session and we've been there, like that's not to, that's not to say we haven't done that before. Like what we do today as as a barbell club and as a group is only based on what we, all the mistakes that we've made. Mm-hmm. Right. And all the, like the mislifts or the hurried attempts or like not understanding that stuff. But I mean, yeah, it's, 
it's quite wild if you if you aren't <clears throat> if you don't have someone at the board because at these national meets like you can't have one coach I, I mean at least in my opinion I think Chris I think we all believe this is that you can't just have one person like running the table and changing your weights and then telling you what to do because you're gonna be running back and forth right and it's you'll miss something you, you're gonna you can't pay that you know you can't give those athletes that close attention and that like be there to you know be supportive and so you know, for us, we, we know what we're trying to do. You know, we'll look at the board. We anticipate, you know, we're pretty good at, at making educated guesses of who will change and what will change. But we also, within that plan, have an alter, a few other alternates that we can be like, all right, we got to shift gears here. You know, we got to do this. And, and our athletes are, trust us enough that they just, all they do is sit down. They lift when they need to lift and they sit back down. So all that chaos is, is buffered by us coaches. But, you know, again, that's what we've learned that from being at all these meets. Mm -hmm. um, and if you think of the six attempts in weightlifting, especially at these higher level meets, it's almost, gosh, the, the, the emotions and how it ebbs and flows from one lift to the next. It really challenges uh, the coaches, but most namely the lifters to stay as present as possible for each single lift, mm -hmm. you can have uh, an amazing opener and then the rest of the session in the snatch can go poorly or you can hit PRs in the snatch and then bomb clean and jerks. You, you really, it, it's the, if you, when the two hours ish are done, it feels like the longest two hours yeah, of, of your life. Um, so, you know, you're, you're garnishing this experience. You go, you go to these national meets and, and you get to go back to Kingfield Barbell uh, when you are preparing people for competition or choosing things like openers or strategy, how does that evolve over time? And, and, and what are some major thoughts you have there? Yeah. So, or even you can even shine, shine as, a, as an athlete, like you've been on both sides. Yeah. So as an athlete in the beginning, just cause I was a coach too, I kind of know what the process is. Um, and then I also know what, I'm capable of, so it wasn't that good of a, it was almost like a curse, you know, because at that, in the beginning, you'd be like coaching yourself right, and, yep, and okay. not letting Danny or Josh, one of our other coaches, um, coach me and do the coaching instead. Mm -hmm. So it was rough. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say rough, but it could have been better, a better experience in my, in my earlier years, just to be able to let it go and let, let them, just, you know, do their job. Um, but yeah, in the past few meets that I've been at, I've been much more comfortable just, just letting it go, mm -hmm. you know, just, and just lifting. Um, so I, so I, you have to turn the coaching mind off. Yep. I remember telling you at one meet, Chris, stop coaching yourself. Yeah. And, 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 and but that's hard. That's not easy mm -hmm. to turn that coach mind off and allow, allow your cueing to maybe come down like internal cueing and allowing that trust to just kind of. Yep, yep. Be out of your hands. So yeah, I tried to, just like Danny said earlier, try to instill that to our athletes. When it's competition day, just lift. Mm -hmm. Just lift. Um, and let's say for a beginner, uh, kind of how I like to plan that out is, I should just, I read an article by um, one of the older coaches in, from Minnesota. He uh, coaches high school students out of Red Wing, Minnesota. Um, and in this article, he was saying at uh, their first meets, he writes uh, openers. Obviously, he opens them at something he knows they can do. Mm -hmm. um, but they might not know it, right? Uh, so, and then he follows the 3% increase rule. So at that age, a one kilo jump would be... Um, acceptable right mm -hmm. that's probably three percent of let's say you open at 40 we go 41 that's probably three percent mm -hmm. um of your max or whatever and he wants to leave the competition have leave the competition having the person the lifter feel like they, they had more in the tank okay. it keeps them coming back so I, I i i took that and i'm like this is that's really good keeps keeps them excited there's more but if you go too heavy and they bum out they they probably don't want to come back. They probably mm -hmm. won't come back to the sport because they um, they feel embarrassed or something, right? Yeah. So I try to follow that 
Um, for more experienced lifters, if, if we're not trying to peak or PR or anything, I like to just follow the 90 to 93% opening rule and just kind of based on how they're looking in training. Uh, but if we're looking to um, hit some PRs where, and I do have my, a lot of my lifters do that, uh, at least one meet a year where we try to hit um, all, attempt all-time PRs, whether competition or um, all-time um, we might go a little heavier. Mm-hmm. So, and when you say 90, 93%, it's of max of max to, yep. to kind of guide yep. that process. And, yep. uh, you know, when we, I think when we first start, if we go back long enough, you don't at that time, when you start realize the difference, uh, between your training maxes and what at that time is just kind of starting to form as your competition maxes. You're like, Oh, well with my favorite song on, and with <laughs> following like, myself, all my buddies cheering me on, I did this in training. And then you get to competition and it's just another experience. You have, it, it, it is not weightlifting in the gym. And, and that's what I think is challenging. And I'll let you kind of speak to this and then we'll, we'll go to Anthony on this, is how do you as an athlete train – being mindful of here's this side of competition or here's this side of the sport that comprises like 99% of what you do during the year. But when you compete, it is this maybe one to two time occasion. How do you elevate the game? How do you prepare for that? Me personally, or how how do you help your athletes kind of get ready for that too? For me, it, I like to uh, act like I've been there before, and that works for me. Uh-huh. Um, you know, just you guys notice, I'm quite calm. Right, I try to just relax as much as possible, um, okay. and just kind of go with the flow. Um, and for my my lifters, how I try to help them is Just getting them, I tried to teach the same thing to them. It just, and, but that comes with trust, right? But you have some athletes who are a bit more um, head cases. Um, and Danny does a much better job with those athletes than I do. Uh, <laughs> I'm still learning. But, um, but yeah, it just kind of depends uh, on the situation. Uh, like, obviously, if they're making lifts, Boom, boom, boom. It's it's nice. It flows really well. But if they're missing, right, then um, that's when it gets a little tricky. You got to figure out um, what ways I can – what words I can say to this lifter to kind of keep them going, keep them uplifted. Um, because each yeah. circumstance is so different. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go to national meets, uh, everyone's bunched together. You have wait times that can be upwards of 20 plus minutes. That is to say that between attempts, you, you are waiting. Uh, the, the audience won't see you for, for 10, maybe 20 or more minutes uh, because everyone's so stacked together. So you have to have a plan as for how you uh, monitor that, that rest and that, that fatigue. Um, you might go to a meet where you – are looking to total because you may have been out of it for a while or you're coming back from injury. You may have a meet where you are, like Chris said, maybe trying to hit PRs or you're breaking into higher sessions, like the A session where you could potentially win medals. So you might have a different perspective of that. And I think for an athlete to have the trust in that process and to understand that if it only happens once or twice a year, you're going to have to surrender some things and know that there's going to have to be a steep learning curve because you can't learn any other way. And what Anthony and I and Anthony and all of us have been able to do is communicate honestly in these reflections after the meets have happened. So I think we've kind of run the gamut of experiences. We've been to 2015 American Open. We're like, I'm just so happy to be here. And look, there's that person from Instagram that I know. And there's that here. There's, there's Danny Camargo and there's Greg Everett. And then, okay, we're showing up at these meets and we know these people and this is what we expect to be here. 
and you have growing expectations. So how, Anthony, do you see your approach to meets now, how you feel like you've matured as an athlete, and, and maybe what also are some challenges that you're currently working on to try to get into a mindset that allows for that that successful meet because what kills me is when I can't think of another sport where you train maybe six days a week or in your case, many more sessions per week. And then you get maybe two shots at, at showing that, you know? Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's kind of a, it's kind of a tough question for me because I'll get asked that from, from people a lot at the gym. Like, like, what do you, what do you think when you lift? Like, how do you feel when you lift and stuff like that? And, you know, I think coming from like a background of spending a lot of time with like a yoga practice and teaching, and it's just one of those things where I'm like, ah, you know, I'm not really thinking about much, you know, it's just like, can I do what I'm doing? Sit down, just kind of chill, reflect for a minute and go back to what I'm doing, sit down and reflect. And it might sound kind of like the very basic, boring, old weightlifting style. And then like in my mind, it's one of those things that keeps me calm keeps me focused and like in training if something's not going that well it just kind of brings me back to the idea that it's like it's fine and mm-hmm. we do have i mean you know you can attest to this and so can Dean. we have those days and chris can tell me too where you know i freak out and that happens that happens to everybody, <laughs> it happens to everyone, it happens yeah. to everybody and then you know danny in particular can can also say you know like i'm not i'm not the biggest hype man in the back room too so you know he's, mm-hmm. he's told me a few times that i need to I need to get it together. And, um, it's just like, it's never, it's never really been, uh, it's never really been like a thing for me. Like when adrenaline kicks in, like I'm really, really, really excited. Like I like expressing that kind of excitement, you know what I mean? From time to time it happens, but it's just, it's never, I don't know what it is. It's never really been that way. So being, being in the back room and like my mindset is, is just, you know, is I think it's just constantly like, just do the best you can you know, be here. This is the lift. Now you're lifting 60 kilos, like do this snatch attempt. This it's a warm up. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, now we're going to the next two doing that round and so on rather than like, Oh, this, this 60 didn't go well. Like my opening attempts not going to go well. Yeah. You know what I mean? like, and, and, and what I've been so impressed by is that you, and, and I always know that when you, there's a certain rhythm you get into and I'm like, okay, he, he's like kind of in that, flow state however you want to describe it he's feeling good and you'll be and, and announcers will will like ad- address this like consistency of technique and poise but then that emotion comes out on like that last clean jerk and when we go for something big because to kind of rewind for a bit when you when you select your lifters openers if you're new to this it's not how aggressive you start it's it's where you end up and and that's kind of this whole time as we've learned that's that's been our motto is Let's try to be smart with this, and uh, let's let's let others make silly mistakes. There's going to be missed lifts. That's just part of the sport. Let's be mentally sound about that and be able to kind of bounce back from certain things. But you know, I, I, I can remember seeing Anthony. Uh, if I think back to Americans, you you know, you make the majority of your lifts, and in short time, you know, just like a year later, you're in your first A session. Right, you have your first national medal. This is university nationals, but it's an A session. Pressure's higher, and that's different, right? Mm-hmm. And and you've your ability to to learn and and bounce back has impressed me because every meet's different, right? Yeah, yeah, it's all it's and like all the different. people who you're competing against, it's all different. So, are there things that as you as you're progressing forward, if you could almost like look back? on when you started, you would want to tell yourself or things that you think are super valuable that others might benefit from too? Well, I think like, I think when most people are starting out, they, they kind of do that thing where they do want to coach themselves too. Like, Oh, this, this isn't going well. Like I need to do this more. And you know, I'm, I, I think it's one of those things where it's like, well, we're just talking about like, no, 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 just, you just need to lift, like miss that attempt or it didn't feel good in the back or it felt a little shaky, but you're fine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think like we, like that, that just like builds up more anxiety and like, that's what's going to lead to you just kind of getting stressed when you're out there and you're just like, I can't, I can't mess this up, mm-hmm. you know? And, and then it's just, it's one of those things, just, you know, just 
it's fine no matter what just do what you're here to do just lift good or bad no matter what it's an experience you picked up a barbell today that's important mm-hmm. so. and, and for those totals to be going up over time which they certainly have but uh, even with that what you say with openers like i remember uh, when I, we first started together if you missed an attempt in the back because i didn't know what i was doing <laughs> i'd be like Why'd he do that? <laughs> yeah. I was like, That's not we, what we're supposed we, to do. <laughs> we haven't even gone to the first attempt. Oh, shit. So then as the coach, you're like, oh, shit. Is it, what, what, we go, do we go down? He's only at 70 kilos. We can't go down. <laughs> we're opening at 100 kilos. But then you're like, okay. Weight, weightlifting is kind of uh, this funny thing. <clears throat> and Danny just said, it looks great. It, well, you know, you kind of you have to know, like, sometimes these things happen and you, you have to – Persevere. You kind of have to know, like, okay, if I miss a warm up, it doesn't shake the ship. If I miss attempt two, I can come back for attempt three. If I make one snatch and I'm on the board, I can still have the best clean and jerk session of my life. And you can kind of ride that roller coaster of emotions throughout a meet and still gain really valuable Mm -hmm. learning experiences. And I, I think you also gain that like you just described that, that trust almost in the process and in the work that you've done, right? Like I'm not going to say a cue to you and you're not going to reveal something about your technique that changes it. We always joke. There's some uh, coaches. uh, We had this today. uh, They, they kind of sound, you know, the bop it. uh, You can like, like twist it and bop it and pull it. it. And you have, yeah. If you don't know bop it, just go to YouTube and, YouTube bop it. And some coaches, <laughs> some coaches in their in their anxiety will just start saying words and you could fit it into that like heels. heels push it. Pull, push it. Squeeze. It, squeeze. Stand. And some of them I even Punch. ask, I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> and you know the athlete doesn't know what it means and the coaches know what it means. And it's not their fault. They're they're trying to maybe perhaps show uh, their athlete that they are experienced or that they kind of know what's going on so maybe they care and, right, and they yeah. care right yeah. they're, they're trying they're trying it but you have that stuff figured out beforehand you you're tapered you kind of have this belief in this taper that you have low fatigue that it's in the tank there's nothing you can do today that's going to change anything yeah right? and if you miss 70 kilos in the back and you're looking up at 100 we throw 75 on Mm-hmm. And and we maybe have a reminder <clears throat> that's specific and not coming out of left field. Yeah, because it just becomes like it's like information overload, especially oh, yeah. especially it's already is, sensory overload. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is for a lot of people like it's hard enough to get on stage, and then after that you're telling me all this shit to do. It's like dude, you gotta leave me alone, man. Yeah, you just gotta let me do my thing. And like for me in particular, the hardest the hardest lift of them all is the first one. Mm-hmm. First, uh, first, first, like going up there for the snatch, first time, like first lift. That's like that's always for me. I'm like, yeah. once it's over, it's like, all right, cool. We can just kind of whether make or not, we can just ride this and move forward. Yeah, but I just need to just get it out of the way. But yeah, like, yeah, and I think that you know you as the athlete, as the coach, you have this first attempt, and, and, and everyone feels this way. You know, you'll have an athlete come off the platform after. Uh, making they just have like a big sigh it's like all that because you've had the warmth you had the timing you had the intros and now this first lift is behind you and you can start looking forward but even if the lift doesn't go your way i feel like you have to see the longevity of the meet yeah right and and even as a coach i remember i would send you on the platform kind of like sending his his kid off to the bus stop for the first time i'd be like maybe if i say something really loud from, from over here He'll be okay, but but, <laughs> but I, think, I think having like what's helped us evolve over the last like I think the last last year we really refined this though is having a, having a plan with our lift like a a twelve month plan. Like Anthony knows the point of tomorrow. Like he knows what we're trying to do. Andrea knew what we were trying to do today. Kristen knew what she had to do today as well. And like sharing that with the lifters, but also as coaches like. Chris and I talked about this today, but just like, just being firm in what we, what we've come to like to learn and we believe. And like, if you have that confidence, that confidence spills over to your lifters. And like, we have all been in the back where we've seen those coaches start to just like scramble and that nervous energy, energy is energy. Like it's going somewhere. And 
more oftentimes than not, it goes right into your lifters. And so it's one of those things that like, they, they're not going to remember what you told them walking up to the platform unless it's like one thing. And if they, you know, like Chris and I work a lot on this, it's just being like, just, just be there. Right. Visualize this early. I mean, Anthony, I mean, like, you know, Zach, like we have been talking about this meet with Anthony for six weeks, Mm -hmm. right? Like started getting him prepped for his openers for six weeks. I mean, and that's, and that's what it takes. And when you get to this level of meet and this level of competition, yeah, of course the stakes are higher. So understanding that there's going to be, you know, there's going to have to be risk involved, you know, in one way or another, our job as coaches is to support and mitigate, right? And, and if everything goes well, as we always hope it does, right? Like sharing that elation, but also like, congr- you know, be there to congratulate them. That's their success. And if it doesn't go well, it's not about, it's no one's fault. Mm-hmm. It's just like, hey, what did we learn from this? And that's great. And I think you said earlier, like the feedback post meet is really important because if you have a reflection afterwards, you know, after this meet, we'll talk with Anthony pros, cons, good, bads going forward. And then how that applies to the 12 month calendar. And, uh, you know, Chris has grown and, and done a really good job with that. And I admire the shit out of that because he, he knows what he's trying to do with his lifters at certain meets. And, and that's not easy as a young coach to convey also to young athletes to be like, no, we're taking these two kilo jumps for a reason, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think that that's where we see, we see shit hit the fan back there all the time. It's like, if we're talking about longevity in sport and we want to be doing this for a long time and we want our athletes to do it for a long, t- a long time, they're going to be at multiple national meets. But what that means is they better, they better act like they've been there. And each time we have to build upon that. So, I mean, that's what we, we, we talk about. I mean, we've talked about Anthony about that. I mean, like he and I have had a meeting at least once a week talking about that. And when I see him on the platform, same thing. And we're refining our queuing process. I mean, I think it's, co- it's like the three of us, I mean, there's not much we say no, like no. queuing wise on, on competition day. There isn't anything that I'm going to say that's going to change no. the course of anything. No, I think we that. said maybe like uh, one thing to Kristen today. I don't know if you guys said anything to maybe just like a, a reminder. Just a, yeah. Just a reminder to Andrea. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like more general stuff, maybe like one key that I can achieve stuff that five different ones but like chris is going to talk about the technical side of things and i'm going to talk about the mindset piece and and i'm not going to overlay Mm -hmm. with chris like we've worked on that really hard where like if i notice something i'm not going to say it to anybody i'm going to say it to chris and then it is up to chris to decipher whether or not a that needs to be said b if he wants to say it like that that's his role Mm -hmm. like my role as a coach is you know, at least in Kingfield Barbell is, is all of the mental side. It's the preparation. It's the just, it's, it's all about like counting, making sure things go well. If, you know, something in the, in the session gets monkeyed up, right? Like I'm there to help put them in the right place at the right time mentally. Yeah. And th- yeah. This is an important piece too. Where like it, it takes a village. We say this all yeah. the time, right? Like you need, you need, um, you need a mental coach. You need a technique coach. You need a motivational coach, right? Um, just to kind of help with that process, mm-hmm. you need a counter. You need yeah. a loader, you know? Yeah. And uh, one person can hold multiple roles, but, but the more people you have, the better. Yeah. And I think the more that we've done this and have seen when it doesn't go well uh, is that if the athlete is understanding that – the coaches are learning them as they progress and that if there's a bad meet, maybe don't give up on your coach right away. You, you, you yeah. stick with it. You see, okay, well, it's, it's this balance between I'm bringing to the table my best effort and these experiences don't happen too often. Well, the coaches, are they're, they're learning too. So you have to have this mutual understanding mm-hmm. and – I think similarly, you, as, as a coach, you have to have, and I think coaches miss out on this, is you have to have tremendous gratitude for the lifters who make you look good because it goes both ways. It has to be respectful yeah. in both directions. And, and because you, like Chris said, we know in our group who the counters are. We know who 
who might have a better read on that person's emotions than other people. So you kind of have to work this, this complex thing. And the more you do it, the better it works, the smoother it works. And that's why the people who are best in the sport have coaches who've been in it the longest. Uh, and I think if they have uh, a respected coach, a well-known coach, then the athlete brings that respect themselves. Mm-hmm. So it, it has to work both ways. And, and you have to let time kind of do its thing as yeah. long as there's clear and honest reflection and communication. Because if the athlete, especially as they get more advanced, start learning things at a faster rate about their technique or what they need, mm-hmm. and they're not communicating this to their coach, and that is not a more of a symbiotic kind of uh, strategy and plan, then that that elite athlete, that, that growing athlete won't be able to express their potential because they are so aware and they're, they're developing themselves so quickly. And then conversely, if, if you are just starting, like we've been echoing throughout this, this show, you do have to kind of turn things over, trust in the work you did and just let it go. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> but that's not easy. If I would say this, if you are a CrossFitter, um, and you've lifted before, go to a meet with someone who's done it before just for the experience. You may hate it. You may, we've taken lifters there of our own and like, that was the most horribly stressful thing ever. And then others were like, that was awesome. Take us back for more. And as long as you adhere to this advice, which, oh my God, if we'd heard this early on, it would be great. No kilograms. Uh, Know the appropriate jumps to take. Know that there could be long wait times. Uh, these are uh, things that we kind of take for granted now, but only three years ago, mm-hmm. we were really just not understanding of this whole picture. Um, it, in educating people uh, further, um, Chris and Anthony and Danny and everyone at Kingfield have really been putting forth uh, what we believe at Strength Ratio to be a honest and just very high quality uh, information. And I'm just going to let Chris talk about something that uh, some of you may have seen. Um, If you haven't seen it yet, you can go back and search the hashtag. But Chris, tell us more about 100 Days of Technique and and what uh, has really come of it all and where where is it going from here? Yeah. So funny story. How did 100 Days of Technique start? So, and what is it if you want to? Yeah, learn? yep. So, um, I if, if you guys haven't been, uh, haven't heard, I have a book coming out called "100 Is the Technique: A Simple Guide to Olympic Weightlifting." Um, and this idea came out of this social media um, kind of campaign we ran last year on Instagram, and for a 100 days straight. We posted something that lifters could use um, in their training. Uh, it could have been a could have been a cue, uh, could have been like a different variation of an exercise, um, or just something. And we people really enjoyed it. People loved it, and we were like, "Hey, what, let's let's make a let's make a book out of it." So, did you yeah. take because the the, the 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 quality of the cues and the instructions were so awesome? you kind of find these common themes of phases of the lift and, and, and find a way to kind of just bring it all together yeah. now, now in, in book form? Yep. So in the book, uh, kind of how it's formatted, it starts with um, general cues mm-hmm. uh, for the setup. First pull, second pull, third pull. Then you go into snatch specific cues, clean specific cues, jerk, back squat, front squat. Uh, and then we got we go into pulls and different style of pulling, and why it might be uh, more uh, important to do hang pulls or from above the knee or below the knee. Cool. And we go into different variations of the lifts, um, and we have a little bit of mobility piece uh, in the uh, in the end too. So awesome! Well, yeah. uh, we'll we'll definitely link all of that as for where you can find uh, the hashtags to go back and see it visually. And then where you can also anticipate to find the ebook. Uh, I think it could be. Actually, it's actually uh, an actual book. Uh, oh, sorry, actual yeah, book. Yeah, actual book. Yeah. Sorry, actual book. 
um, uh, that will, when is it coming out? It comes out next Saturday, June 2nd. Okay, so that'll be about the time that this drops. So if you're listening to this, uh, you'll probably just be able to go straight to the website or to the iTunes link and, and find that. Um, so that's that's super awesome. And to see you guys put that all together, super exciting. Um, I think we've hit on a lot of good things. Hopefully, I'm trying to think of like, if, if there's that, that 69 kilo Anthony from 2015 who hears that, I feel like there's, there's really important stuff. And just as coaches, like if, cause I remember when we came into this, we, I, I remember looking up, like, how does this work? And yeah, you know, yeah. really you just kind of get, have to get your feet wet. And I, kind of this final thought that I had along the lines of it takes a village. It's, it's almost, it's not almost, it, it is much more than, your athlete and your coaches, if uh, you or a family member or friends are getting into these meets, uh, especially if they want to do like an American Open Series 3 or definitely if they're at a senior national meet, American uh, Open Finals or senior nationals or junior youth, etc., uh, the village extends beyond that. We've always had rotating people who are just there for support, whether it's fellow athletes who we also have in the room uh, who are here just because they enjoy the sport. They have fun with it, but they just also enjoy seeing these, these guys and girls succeed and seeing old uh, Kristen today had friends who she hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, they've flown in and to have other people in the crowd that you can hear and you know who are there. It, it means a lot for these lifters because these meets, they don't happen happen that often. Yeah. So, um, if you hear this show uh, and you're a coach, maybe go back, take some notes. If you want to get into the sport, just try it out. It really is exciting. It's kind of like you're going into battle. Like you're, you're in the back, back with your athletes and you kind of, I don't know about you, it's almost like addicting. Like you, you want to like get that competitive, like beating, helping your athlete beat other people. But yeah. there's just like this culmination of energy uh, that's really exciting. And then it all goes into these, these six lifts and, and you can't ask. I remember we held, um, an in-house meet and we have this, uh, athlete and he, at, at home, a very go with the flow kind of jokester. And he missed his third attempt clean and jerk. And he really gave it his all and he missed. And he said, okay, well, like I'm ready to go again. And we said, no, there's, there's no fourth. He's like, I would have tried harder if I knew that it was like, I'm totally, like you mean like six and there's no, like, there's, there's no, there's no comebacks or anything like that. There's no extra points. Um, it, it's an exciting thing to be a part of. Uh, maybe even if at first just go spectate, you can't see. And what's kind of interesting as spectators, you have no idea about all of this energy and chaos and, mm -hmm. and kind of like, gladiator warlike stuff that goes on in the back room from uh the seats out front but you can begin to uh expose yourself to the sport and perhaps and you can get your feet wet feel the people too and the lifters yeah like when they make it you're happy for them or when they miss you're like oh you know so it's um it's all really good it's yeah. it's exciting and uh we we hope you guys par participated perhaps sometime in this year if there's any specific questions, please just let us know. Uh, follow up with us on social or an email. We'll tag everyone here involved. Uh, thanks so much for watching, guys. Thanks, Zach. Thank you, Zach.